Chapter 8b of Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Respecting this image made by Ma'aka, the mother of Esau, Rabbi Solomon, a Jewish commentator on the writings of the Old Testament, says the idol or image of Queen Ma'aka was a horrible statue made in a state of entire nakedness with the sign of the masculine sex of great proportions which she admired daily in the sight of all men as a religious rite like the egyptian women to her public shame at which the people laughed and wondered see first kings chapter fifteen verses eleven through thirteen on this subject as follows and asa did that which was right in the eyes of the lord as did david he took away the sodomites out of the land and removed all the idols his father had made and he also removed maaka his mother even her he removed from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove and asa destroyed the idol and burnt it by the brook Kidron. Adam Clark, in commenting on this passage, as above, says that the image spoken of there was a Priapus, a creature half man and half bull, or half he-goat, or some other dumb beast, and that it was worshipped with lewd rites, which agrees with the statements of Rabbi Solomon in the essence of the thing though the language of clark is not so bold on the subject as is the communication of rabbi solomon it is evident from the scriptures and ancient history that the whole land of old canaan and the negro countries elsewhere such as egypt libya ethiopia and all africa besides were filled with the signs paintings and pictures of lewdness as well as with sculptured and molten images of both male and female human beings and of monsters half human and half animal especially among the nations of canaan by such means the grosser passions of human nature were continually excited to disorder violence and confusion out of this influence arose all kinds of extravagant behavior tending to the corruption of the manners of mankind. That such was the fact in Canaan is shown from Numbers chapter 33 verses 51 and 52, where Moses is charged by the divine power as follows. Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all of the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places from this scripture there can be no doubt but the images as well as the pictures there alluded to were all of a piece having been so fashioned as to exhibit signs of the most obscene description placed in their houses by the wayside and even in their religious temples or houses of worship presenting everywhere before the eyes of the people 
male and female, young and old, the objects of their adoration and delight. Such a state of things was entirely resistless in their influence, especially on the Negro population, and but barely overcome by the severities and high inducements of a spiritual and more refined, reasonable, and mental religion, which was that of the Jews. It was the impure and seducing rites, as well as the pictures and images of the pagan worship of all the Negro countries in Africa, as well as the remnants of the Canaanitish tribes, who yet remained in the land of Judea, or Old Palestine, which so often misled the people of the twelve tribes from the truth and the right ways of the Hebrew religion. And although at the time we are now speaking of, it was over thirteen hundred years from the date of the curse of Noah, yet we find the abandoned race of Ham holding on their way of wickedness, their original character, everywhere combating the virtuous and self-denying religion of Moses. The Negro nations of those ages appear to have acted as bad as they could, and to have injured mankind in morals all that was possible, as if they were indeed revenged themselves on God, because of the curse of Noah, as Nimrod, the grandson of Ham, threatened to do, because he drowned the world. As Josephus says, Book 1, Chapter 4, Page 19, and was particularly acted out by Jezebel and her great multitude of Negro priests and votaries in the midst of the Jewish tribes. But this Jezebel finally came to a fearful end. For when Jehu came to the throne of Israel, and immediately after the death of Ahab, he caused her to be cast headlong from a window of an upper room of the palace, out of which she but a moment before had looked, having tired her head and painted her face to disguise her negro complexion, and if possible thereby to seduce the new king Jehu. But in this she failed. In that horrid fall she was so bruised and broken that she lay as one that was dead, when the furious Jehu rode over her with his war-horse, stamping her down on the pavements, where she expired, wallowing in her own blood. Immediately, as it had been foretold by Elijah the prophet fifteen years before, 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 23, the dogs came and devoured her, all but her feet and palms of her hands, and her head. See 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 35. On this subject, respecting the parts of her body which the dogs refused to eat, the Jewish rabbi have made, says Adam Clark, some very singular remarks, from which we gather a few particulars relative to the private character of this queen of prostitutes, as follows. The reason, say these Jewish rabbi, the dogs left the parts of her body spoken of above, was because in their festal dances in the house of her gods, which was built in a grove, 
she used to get down on all fours in imitation of a beast and in this attitude would caper and leap about being disrobed while the multitude of her priests and the worshippers looked on during such performances she would move her head from one side to the other in a gay and wanton manner for a purpose not proper to describe she was no doubt says adam clark guilty of the foulest actions almost too bad to be believed the temple of baal in the grove which ahab built for his negro queen was occupied by no less than four hundred and fifty priests and the temple another vast building but not in the woods was occupied by four hundred more amounting in all to eight hundred and fifty lusty negro ministers of the whorish religion of the zidonians the people of jezebel this great multitude of priestly dignitaries were all put to the sword at the suggestion of the prophet elijah under the authority of ahab as the law of moses required respecting idolaters at the time of the noted debate on theology between elijah and the baalites which god himself answered by fire to end the dispute see first kings chapter eighteen verse thirty eight that those priests of baal were black men is shown not only from their having been of the same people with jezebel but also from the appellation given them by the jews who called them in derision kemarim from kamar the black priests of baal see clark's comment on second kings chapter twenty three verse five that those priests of baal called by the targums kamar or the black priests were not thus called on account of their wearing black vestments as dr clark has supposed but because they were actually of black complexions as it is well known that in all ages among pagan nations of the old world the priests officiating at their altars of sacrifice were always dressed in white in imitation no doubt of the priests of the hebrews which was a sign of purity dignity and holiness it follows therefore that the jews called them black priests of baal because they were black and for no other reason in this chapter just quoted if the reader desire it he can find the names of several of the negro gods of those ages and also in first kings chapter eleven verses five and seven whose horrid worship infested the whole of mankind as it was from this people a knowledge of idolatry was derived to the whole greek and roman world as well as in the most early times immediately after the flood to the myriads of the indies and to the jews and other nations of the earth sukot benot a hebrew phrase meaning tents of prostitutes was the name of one of the negro gods long before the time of christ which name signified the temple of the daughters or of the young virgins 
at whose temple they were inducted into the rites and mysteries practiced in the worship of these obscenely formed images by the prostitution of their persons herodotus gives the following account of the sukot benot rites every young woman of the country where the image was adored was obliged while yet a virgin to visit the temple once where she was to be humbled by the first man who should choose to fancy her from these accounts it does appear that the black nations of those ages waged a universal and a perpetual war upon chastity seeming to have been determined to expel from the face of the earth all ideas of such a thing to effect this they bent all the powers of civil and religious influence against it making the possession thereof a crime to be punished with death inasmuch as they who refused or neglected to be thus humbled at the temple and in the presence of the idol were counted guilty of heresy and were held as infidels and condemners of the gods herodotus further says that in his own time b c four fifty there was a city in numidia which was on the upper regions of the nile in africa that was called sicavania a name signifying prostitution to which the young women were compelled to resort by law to earn their marriage dower this custom says herodotus was brought from phoenicia which was the country of old canaan peopled as we have often said before from the very beginning after the flood by negro nations josephus in his antiquities of the jews speaks of the madness of the egyptians after women in the place where he relates the story of abraham's going down to egypt with his wife sarai genesis chapter twelve verses ten and twenty by this it is seen that in those ancient ages strangers of other nations and distant parts of the earth considered it a dangerous thing to travel in egypt in company with women so notorious were they in this particular even among themselves that when the rich and noble lost by death any female relative who had been reputed as handsome and pleasing to look upon when living they dare not send the body to the embalmers until they had been dead several days lest their persons should become the objects of violation see clark's comment on genesis chapter fifty verse two is there anything which can be imagined by the human mind more awful and repulsive than the above trait of far more than brutal depravity when herodotus travelled in africa among the various tribes of egypt libya and ethiopia he says that he found the negro inhabitants living like animals with respect to chastity the following are his words on the subject Quote, among all these nations whom i have specified the communication between the sexes is like that of the beasts open and unrestrained Close quote. was this induced by slavery 
as abolitionists say it is in america that those nations of whom he speaks were really the negroes of africa herodotus says they were all of the same complexion with the ethiopians being extremely black and curly-headed at their marriages it is a custom everywhere among them says the same author for all the guests to enjoy the bride the first night who bring accordingly suitable presents by which means they commence their family capacity or housekeeping in one tribe he found it a custom for the wives to make use of a certain mark or sign on their limbs to denote the number of times they had favored other gallants than the lawful one after marriage the husband valuing them according to the number of these tokens as they were the evidences of their wives popular personal charms this is a dreadful picture of the negro race in that one particular and were it not for the restraints of the christian religion and the salutary laws enacted under its influence in america and other countries in christendom they as a people if left to themselves would be guilty of the same things as anciently for their natures are ever the same another tribe of whom this grecian author speaks who lived in the same unrestrained manner in africa assembled every three moons in a grand conclave when all the children born during that term of time were examined as to their looks countenances and shapes and the men they most resembled were obliged to father and take care of them there being no other way to ascertain the parents of their children herodotus pages one seventy two thirty five two thirty six and two thirty seven it is intimated by livy volume one book twenty one page three sixty nine that the carthaginian generals were guilty of the practice of sodomy and that even hannibal who in his youth was very handsome for a black man participated in the same horrible custom it is said respecting the negroes of the west india islands who are all of african descent that they consider any restraint laid on their promiscuous sexual intercourse a hardship of the most grievous and oppressive nature seeming to center all their happiness in enjoyments of that description from this fact it seems that from the time of herodotus which is more than two thousand years ago the negro race whether in africa or the west indies whether under the influence of unrestrained paganism or the healing balm of christianity are ever the same gross brutal fierce sensual and devilish characters as a people in reference to sexual commerce damberger's account of the africans who we have before quoted in this work accords with all we have said above from whom we take the following in addition this man says that he fell in with a tribe who lived beyond the limits of the kaffirs who were called by themselves muhotians while with this tribe as he and a negro man 
the son-in-law of the chief of the kraal and with whom he then was remaining were busy in gathering dry wood in the edge of a wilderness the former made damberger a proposal of sodomy but as damberger refused the african nearly murdered him being a much stronger man and yet damberger made his escape from the woolly-headed monster while at this crawl the old chief the father-in-law of the negro above spoken of took damberger on a certain day with him to another part of the same wilderness where he was shown a heap of sand and earth several feet high on opening this heap as directed by the chief he found the bodies of five white men who had been killed by stabbing he soon learned of the old man that the five had belonged to the crew of a vessel which had been but recently wrecked on the coast of the atlantic and who had been carried inland by a party of blacks belonging to the muhotian tribe this tribe had been set upon by a party of contorians in order to take the prisoners out of their hands for the express purpose of practicing sodomy upon them because they were white and in the eyes of those miserable beings exceedingly handsome but in the affray the white men were all killed and buried there in the sand rather than submit to be thus degraded in their own eyes during this talk with the filthy old chief damberger told him about the abuse he had received from his son-in-law because he would not submit to the same thing at which the old child of darkness and paganism only laughed most heartily as at an occurrence of the most trivial character volume one page one forty six after this as damberger was prosecuting his dreadful journey over jagged mountains and dreary plains of sand and morasses he fell into the hands of a tribe called Keonians, whose king was an absolute despot having the power to appropriate to his own use whatever he pleased and of whom his subjects dare not complain whenever he would he took the wives and daughters of his people who were very numerous to his own couch so that he had eight hundred women subject to his pleasure the place of this district or region of dwelling was in the caves of certain mountains called the kong mountains and adjacent to the river niger not a great distance from the atlantic which empties into that ocean at liberia in north latitude six degrees volume two page one o three rolling says that abominable lewdness as stated by trogus pompeius a roman historian was the great and predominant vice of all africa volume one page three seventy five on a subject like this or any other touching the character of the natives of africa the romans had the most unbounded opportunity to know them in those ages because they had a great empire in that country which they wrested out of the hands of the carthaginians 
who had conquered the country some hundred years before, who were also a black people from Phoenicia, of whom we shall have something to remark hereafter. The facts set forth in this section of the work are, after all, but little items in the ocean of evidence that might be adduced, proving that this people, the race of Ham, to be a people who, in all ages, have been more sensual and animal in their inclinations than are the races of either the red or white man, which fact is an evidence of no small magnitude of their real and universal mental inferiority. This remark, we know, may be considered as severe, and yet we do not see how we can make any abatement, except to say that, happily, there have been, in all ages, individuals of the negro race, both as it relates to talent of the medium scale, and amiableness of character, who should be accepted from the great mass of the countless myriads of the blacks as good men, and ornaments to society where they lived. Having thus far, in this section, taken some notice of the national and personal character of the Ethiopian race, we shall change the subject, in order to make some inquiries respecting their mental abilities without aiming to disparage them in the least degree wrongfully, being desirous only to ascertain the truth respecting them. If the Supreme Being has seen fit to endow this race with a less quantum of intellectual faculties, and with less attractive powers and persons, in all respects, then he has the white race, what then? Are we, therefore, to undervalue them on this account? We think not, as all God's works are good and proper in their proper places, but not out of them. In this way, and in no other, shall we be able to appreciate the wonderful harmony of nature, by which is demonstrated both the power and wisdom of the Creator, in ordering the affairs of the universe, and the inhabitants of the globe. It is impossible to extract from substances more than is contained in the nature of such substances, or to elevate by its own weight water above its origin or fountainhead. So of the negro race, though fondled and petted by abolitionists, yet this will amount to nothing except an exhibition of the negro's real natural imbecilities of mind, and the need he is in of help, as the great conservative powers by which the white race have elevated themselves, are not given to the people of the race of Ham. But for not cultivating the one talent which was given them by the Creator, they are placed under the ban of a judicial decree, exactly suited to their moral characters on earth. As erst before the flood when Satan reigned, the earth with violence and death was stained. The waters therefore came and swept away the whole blasphemous host of vile array. So in the land of Ham, 
old canaan's coast where sodomy and crime were black men's boast the vengeful arm of god the jewish sword drove them headlong out both tribe and horde End of chapter 8